0: space It's the final frontier. It's the wild, wild west. And what do we all want to do in a state of disorder? Create rules and laws, of course. In fact, organizations are planning for space governance right now. In its user agreement, satellite internet provider Starlink is already thinking about Wi-Fi on Mars. Here's some language from the contract. For services provided on Mars or in transit to Mars via Starship, or other colonization spacecraft, the parties recognize Mars as a free planet and that no other Earth-based government has authority or sovereignty over Martian activities. Now, eventually, we're going to get to Mars. And if we want to do a good job of preparing for our future, we've got to know who's going to build the roads. We'll need to know how we're going to collect the taxes. And the Mars Homeowner Association will definitely need to decide which four colors your spaceship garage can be. And all these potential rules remind me quite a bit of data governance. It might be a bit contrived, but stay with me for a bit. The field is less than 50 years old. The ones and zeros that we deal with are just as disorganized as the red soils of Mars. And in a profession that advocates for every business to have a glossary of terms, we're still debating exactly what data governance even means. In essence, we're constantly developing rules on unstable ground. And even while we're figuring out the basics, things are only getting more complicated. We have to ask ourselves how automation and AI will transform our field. We need to consider ethical questions that are only hypotheses today. We're exploring a strange new world, but one day, maybe it won't be so new or so strange. If we want our field to be everything it can be, we need to think like we're going to Mars. So on this episode of Data Radicals, we're looking at what data governance is how to make it better now and in the future. I speak with Paola Sabene, a data governance expert and digital ethicist who is a principal at Technion Data Solutions. She also teaches at multiple universities where she enlightens tomorrow's data radicals on digital ethics, global data privacy, information security laws, and more. And today she's gonna be doing the same for us. So strap on your spacesuit and prepare for takeoff. It's time to bring order to this strange disheveled world of data. Welcome to Data Radicals, a show about the people who use data to see things that nobody else can. This episode features an interview with Paolo Saibene, Principal Consultant at Technion Data Solutions, award-winning cybersecurity professional, and multi-billion-dollar C-suite executive. On this episode, she joins your host, Satyan Sangani, to discuss data governance, how mishandling your data can cost you millions, protecting the people behind the data, and much more.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Elation. Our platform makes data easy to find, understand, use, and govern. So analysts are confident they're using the best data to build reports the C suite can trust. The best part? Data governance is woven into the interface. In Alation, data governance becomes part of the way you work with data, so audits are no sweat. Learn more about Alation at alation.com. That's A L A T I O N.com.
0: It's an understatement to say that navigating a new frontier can be daunting. Our clients can sometimes feel the same way about data governance. Paola and her team have designed a methodology that helps their clients face data challenges head on.
1: We spend a lot of time in a methodology that we call governance by design. And that includes, of course, the traditional data governance and all of the the appropriate DIMBOK, DAMA framework. And that's about a third of what we do. The other third is really blending, effectively blending all of the risk, privacy, cyber, procurement, contractual, vendor management components that actually affect the access quality rights to that data. But doing it in such a way that all of those frameworks are really, really blended and you can execute in unison as opposed to having to have different parties do independent work on the data or check or audit that data in a way that is just exhausting and people give up. So having this comprehensive way of doing it quickly because they're all integrated, then that is um, our focus right now. And we're seeing great results when all of a sudden you have cybersecurity people say, wait, some of the heavy lifting can be done by them, by the data people? Yes, and actually they want to because you wouldn't know how to rank this properly. The valuation, right? The the purpose of that data, the final purpose, and is can be dictated by those stewards. Really know it the best, as opposed to cyber, who's going to try to protect everything. And uh, nowadays, I think that with the advances of the regulation in data privacy, you see a lot of different parties, like compliance or cyber or risk, inheriting that privacy function, and they may not be the best candidates. In organizations that don't have a privacy officer or a privacy program so data governance as well uh, the data people however it is called in the organization management or governance or a combination they can also come to the rescue and help in a number of things from the RoPA or so the GDPR to uh, understanding you know how the architecture ought to be set up for IT governance to be able to say yes this is well done or not
0: when do people come to you because you know, certainly you mentioned a lot of complicated things, like there's cybersecurity and there's privacy and there's risk, and all of these things are, you know, often developed in silos or in parts. And when do when do when do your clients come to you and say, "I need something more robust or rationalized," or when do they when do they have that realization?
1: You know, there's uh, different doorways to that. One is one could be we don't trust the data, so you have to go hunting for what is bad where does the ball drop, if you will? At which level of those functions to be able to assist them there? Others could say, um, we're just not sure whether we are complying or not, or can we do more with our data? There are many questions that we're getting are about um, related to monetization. How do we monetize this property without incurring liability? Uh, reducing the risk. And monetization, as we know, doesn't always mean selling the data, just be sharing it for enrichment purposes. Um, But that is a great spot for people to start. And then when they embark in that journey, there's a number of things that sometimes need to be cleaned up or tidied up all with the purposes of just enabling that function and that uh, doing it properly actually accelerates the final step of that execution and delivery and increases the value in that partnership as they engage in monetization. So um, it's, it's neat to be a part of uh, several journeys of people, those that just are not sure whether they have something good and, and in good health, to those that say, we think our stuff is pretty good and it's very unique. So help us be able to share it and get something out of it.
0: So the essence is they're trying to do something broadly make money, as businesses are, you know, want to do, and then they're wanting to make sure that they don't run afoul of any of these effective rules. Now, do they call it data governance when they when they first meet you, or, 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 or is that something that's learned by them? Like, how, how what do they, you know, they say, I don't trust the data, but do they say, well, I need data governance, or what do they say?
1: They don't. Most of them don't, and that's quite all right, because actually, the definition of data governance is quite nebulous. So, depending on industries, sector, depending on who you ask, you'll have different folks that refer to different frameworks or just think of it differently. So we just look at maturity of the data and if it fits to have a full-on data governance engagement, great. If it's more of a quality engagement, great. If it's more of a cataloging engagement, then that is the right spot for them to start and and mature. Um, So no, we don't always call it data governance, but we do explain that this governance by design thinking about Putting the right rules in place so that you can expedite whatever you need to do is super important. And the design of that takes a bit of skill and experience. And instead of multiplying that effort, you can have it all consolidated and just engage quickly.
0: As much as it pains me to say, we're still struggling to define what data governance means. But one of Paola's clients gave her a great definition that some of us may be able to recycle.
1: I heard it best just a week ago from one of our clients, and she said, I just want certified data. (laughs) That resonates with a lot of people. It may not be the definition for some, but I think it is a definition for many. Is there a stamp of approval here that lets me run in my business analytics, in my automation, in my AI work? Because I know that this is good. And that certification process, if you will, that stamp, comes with part of the work in the background. But I thought that, that that simple two-word phrase was perfect.
0: The concept of certified data speaks to the importance of being transparent about what it means for data to be good. When it comes to defining our data, it's not just important that we get things just right, but that we all agree upon what right means. I asked Paola to share an example of why that's so essential.
1: I'll give you a couple of examples. I think one was um, very telling because it had to do with financial data and it had to do with just definitions and um, in a place that had a lot of turnover. And then, of course, the definitions had not been documented properly, resulting in millions of dollars in gaps in reports. And uh, complications, I mean, the calculations had been derived from macros. It had been, they were keeping things up in Excel, etc. So it led to a myriad of issues that are common to many places. And uh, that was... Pretty-
0: Back up a bit, because this is, so not defining data leads to millions of dollars in losses. Like, te- tease that apart, like, that seems like not having a dictionary... Did that led to millions of, like, how does that work? Can you just draw that thread for us? Because I think that'd be really
1: helpful. Absolutely, several parties in the financial unit, um, they actually were determining what needed to be amortized differently. And they were also recording the invoices and recording the AR and AP in a slightly different way. Just the dates, that particular data, when it happened, some of them would close it different, some of them would open it differently. And uh, the the portion that was intriguing was the amortizing. There was a very loose definition depending on the senior individuals in the organization that would record it in a particular way because it wasn't a regular asset, right, Uh, software-related. And then those that actually came in later, having trained 20, 30 years later, coming with different definitions, and then having to merge in a company that already had acquired many other companies. So those numbers already were fragmented and had to be unified. And uh, it was a struggle and it was not, in that case, I think it was not beautifully finalized or or arranged in the end. It had to lead to a compromise. So it had to be arbitrarily decided how the definition would be moving forward, knowing that potentially there would be some things that would not be correct uh, retrospectively in the data. And that's an unfortunate situation that so many organizations go through that.
0: Right. So you had one team and one set of individuals from this group doing things one way, recording things one way. You had another that was recording it in quite a different way. And now all of a sudden you had to sort of say, we're going to do it this way going forward. And of course, one system therefore had history, but the other system would not have had that same history. And it, it, you know, that's such an interesting example because now all of a sudden, As you, in some ways, the way in which you sort of measure something then drives, I mean, there's a feedback effect. I mean, you think about measurement as being this totally independent um, thing within an organization. You just observe the world and you measure it. But in this case, it seems like the measurement actually drove the process and how you measured it drove how the organization worked.
1: And it always does, and that measurement needs to be monitored, which is something often overlooked. So it isn't an excess task, or it isn't a burden to just keep track, at least on a yearly basis. Are we still okay with this definition, and pass it around to make sure that all the stakeholders involved say yeah or no? Actually, this I think is changing, and let's make sure that metadata now is added appropriately that has got to be something that is kept up. It is actually more important than other processes later on. In business analytics, business intelligence, and often ends up uh, displaying beautiful dashboards, sophisticated calculations based on data that hasn't really, I'm not even talking about quality, I'm not talking about a cleanliness of the data or whether the, the The validity is there. Just simple definitions, the most basic of all the pieces. And it is incredible how it can propel one way or the other.
0: If we want to create a future as radical as we think it can be, then we're going to have to advocate for it. Paola has some thoughts on how we can do exactly that.
1: I've worked in many places, um, government, commercial, nonprofit, education, etc., And I think that Yes, many folks at the top level would say, yes, we're supporting it. But from saying it to actually doing it, there's quite a bit of a gap sometimes. I think that with a good design and a strategy in place, the bottom up tends to work better than the top down in most areas. And by that, I mean, having educational gamification, plus exercises for folks in lower management That they can actually have uh, performance indicators um, be tied to improving the health of the data, or that you can have fun ways of actually increasing the literacy without having to sit there and watch a compliance uh, uh, webinar or having to watch the usual data-related classes that just put you to sleep a little if you're not in that space or you don't have a fascination for that space. So making it as fun as possible, engaging, and going straight to what that business unit should be concerned about. And then what that individual needs to know that they are so special in the treatment of this data. They're so important because nobody else can do it quite like they do. Their task is generally unique, so their contribution to this health is enormous. And when they latch on to that concept and when they see that they are part of this landscape of evolving and improving the data, I think it makes them look for more. I know, I, I've experienced it, it makes them look for more gaps and they're the ones that bring it up into the Stewardship Council or into the Data Governance Council. And then you see this force that is constantly monitoring and controlling and improving the quality. And it's a beautiful thing. And of course, it then, At that point, top leadership begins to support it more, fund it more, and uh, see it as one of the top indicators of uh, organizational health. If you can also embed it in enterprise risk management and have it be something that they keep an eye on, and especially if the ERM unit is is more uh, advanced and more engaged with the business, then that's a great formula for success.
0: If those are the formulas for success, what are the modes of failure and Like what's the counterfactual? What do people tend to do if they don't always do that? Or maybe they always do that. What do do they do when they fail?
1: I would say a couple of things I wouldn't touch because I think that they fail almost always. And that is not tying things to KPIs, top leadership KPIs, right? Not just business unit. So if you don't align completely with the business strategy and what is important at that moment, then you're going to lose momentum slowly but surely. And yes, it is true that in many cases, the data is suffering at a level that it does not match with the KPI, but you have to make that, um, you have to address which way you go. And if you need the program to succeed, then you have to blend enough of what is important to top leadership and to the board and to the C-suite so that you can then continue to do more work in the other gaps that you might have. For instance, let's say retention schedules. Not many people worry about retention schedules, and it's such an important part of the data lifecycle, but you may want to just talk about, well, if IT needs to, um, it has a budget cut, and if storage is something that has been excessively used, how much of the data that should be purged is in storage that need not be, that is increasing the cost of operations, right? Uh, Normally OPEX. So making those, just combining those areas and looking for ways of understanding how does the effort in in data governance or data maturity come uh, close to addressing one of the KPIs of the organization. And that goes a long way. And um, the second one I would say, so on one hand is the uh, making sure that you're relevant. On the other hand is not having enough marketing and communication about the program. So, um, Data governance is not something that most people just say, wow, I I really want to do data governance today, right? (laughs) I'm so excited about it. (laughs) It doesn't quite happen that way. So making sure that you are, in this case, conveying and providing clarity as to why it is propelling the organization forward.
0: So your clients are now data radicals. But how do you help them decipher which data points are the most valuable for their organization?
1: You decide by a number of of formulas. One of them is where does that data land normally, how unique, so the dimensions of data will help you. But in terms of the monetization piece, there are four general buckets, right? And one of them has to do with the uniqueness of that data. And if you have in the organization data that may not appear, it could be even IoT data, could be sensor-related data, but if it is unique enough, then it has to be treated differently from data that is not going to be giving you um, any, any rewards, any revenue back. And so it is a business conversation. You don't decide that at the data governance level. You let the business get heavily involved deciding that and helping you then prioritize and helping you map how that data governance evolves, how the data maturity effort evolves based on what they have dictated that is
0: important to them. Yeah. So you're, you're saying talk to the potential consumers of the data in order to get their perspective on whether or not it could be useful, or useful. Absolutely. Yes. And just like space is constantly expanding and changing, we also have to be ready for our own field to evolve. What does Paola think the next few years will look like in the world of data?
1: I see a lot of automation happening in this space more and more at various layers. So I think that a lot of the manual work that we do right now is just going to go away. But I think that what we're going to be seeing is the role of how data is treated, I'm going to call it data governance for the sake of of just using the word, um, in the algorithmic calculations and uh, the AI designs and the platforms and the software, how, we're going to play a role foundationally in any flaws that happen subsequently. So We want to be able to have that separation of, well, it's it's the data, that's why uh, AI is failing or the algorithms are off, as opposed to being able to dissect it very clearly and understand that no, the data was perfectly fine up until the point of those algorithmic calculations post business intelligence and those models and those designs that have been created and that software then has to be looked at further. So it's almost like an audit lens that we need to be very sharp on and it is going to require that you segment just because if you look at, for instance, um, the FTC and all the questions they're asking from companies and organizations and, and the actual expectations, the declared expectations, the liability associated with AI, and the sampling issues, et cetera. You have to have a defensible posture in the organization when you're going to engage more and more with, especially with PII, PHI, et cetera, anything that is related to a person, personally identifiable directly or indirectly. And that defensible posture will need to come with some, um, not just frameworks and policies in place, will need to come with some vetted practices I'll be able to say, yeah, up until this point, is very good. And that reduces the scope of analysis, and you can uh, segment it accordingly.
0: As the relationship between data and business grows over the coming years, we have to make sure that we use data in an ethical and safe manner. Paola tells us what matters in trying to achieve these goals.
1: Explainability and transparency, you've just named some, so that push for explainable AI is there. Um, I would say that there is a lack of understanding of the amplified effect you can have on data that is personally identifiable as a result of the use of AI. So it is not as if the data is all of a sudden more dangerous because it is part of an AI lane. It is actually the effect of that, the speed, the scope the range that it can predict in a wrong way or it can assign labels uh, incorrectly or it can make decisions um is now more damaging by virtual volume right (laughs) so that is where um we are trying always to hone in protect the people inside of the data and i don't mean in a cyber sense only but protect the people by having that care put into um, how it is being treated all the way post capture um, and uh, many times that makes folks um, look at algorithms differently and say okay I understand I would actually not combine those elements if I had known that the there were purpose limitations to the data or that it had this kind of metadata in it that does not serve my purpose on the AI side so that why the that's why the maturity on the governance side is is vital so that then AI can be done much better.
0: Do you feel like the people who are developing these algorithms and doing this work are super aware of these issues, not aware enough? What, Where do you think people...
1: They're not aware enough. They're not aware. We're still talking about the basics on the governance in AI, and we still have to remind a lot of folks that are very excited in that space that, wait a second, but it is no different from DevSecOps, right? So we're still talking about DevSecOps a whole lot more because that Dev space is still learning how to do things securely. And only last year, SSDF came out on the software development framework just to make sure that folks are implementing it and and we've had this issue for 30 years
0: and what do you think it'll take to make people more aware of these sort of explainability challenges and these challenges of you know ensuring that these algorithms are doing the right thing
1: a billion dollar question (laughs) i think a combination of factors is going to take potentially more regulation more fines although that is not always deterring enough it is going to take that the organization values it. So if you are going to be monetizing data or monetizing processes, is your product, this data going to be higher value because you've done it well all along? And if that's the case, that's a great incentive. right? So you think of just other physical products around us, do we go for quality or do we go for quantity? And it's a similar thinking.
0: I might be biased, but exploring our new frontier of data governance might be even more exciting than colonizing Mars, mostly because the benefits can be realized here and now. This is Satya Sangani, co-founder and CEO of Alation. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Alation.
1: Are you curious about metadata management? If so, then this white paper is for you. If
0: not, then you should be. Learn how to evaluate leading metadata software by clicking the link in the podcast notes.